And everybody tells the same story of loss and fading glory and it hurts. So we drink and we think and we drink and it stinks so bad in here of cigarettes and stale Listening to the Shit Musicians Say podcast with your host, Steve Dixon. Who in the fuck is Steve Dixon? I don't know. Never heard of him. All right, here we go. Welcome back to the Shit Musicians Say podcast. We're here with Nathaniel from Loon, and we're missing Brett again. Brett's going to be pissed. <laughs> Brett was supposed to be on last season. Brett was possibly supposed to show up with Nat from Spaceships, and he was supposed to show up tonight. And You'll, he, you'll get him. It'll, he'll, it'll yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be in so many bands at a certain point that yeah, I mean, I'm going to have him be like, fuck, I don't have to have anybody else but yeah, Brett on. He and Patrick both are just in every fourth or fifth yeah. South Bend band. So. Very nice. So, Brett's not here. I was really going to bust you guys' balls because <laughs> all the songs about drinking mm-hmm. and I send you guys an email and I don't do this for everybody, but I was like, these guys like to have a few according to their music. So I was like, what do you guys want to drink? And Brett writes back. Oh, no, it was me. Oh, that was you? That was me. Oh, fuck. Was me. Okay, so commence with the ball busting. He <laughs> says, oh, water or, or water or tea will be fine. I'm like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. <laughs> so I, I got to out you to your fans. Oh, no. It, uh, well, I think, it, I think it's as good as any segue into, into Loon. 
Um, I I do still drink, and and uh, obviously they can't see, but I'm, I'm yes. drinking a, a beer. I forced right a now. beer into his hand. Um, but um, I've had real problems with drinking, and um, uh, <laughs> I already feel self conscious because I'm like, well, this no. is gonna get heavy real quick because that's kind of what Lou is. Jump jump in the fucking deep end, bro. Um, and alcohol is a very layered thing in, in Loom. It, I use it very specifically. There's the personal um, self-medication for childhood abuse and depression and mm-hmm. PTSD, and, which I, I, I have, all, all of those. Um, and then there's just the kind of um, cultural analogy of what of what a drunk is mm-hmm. in in the zeitgeist right like right. what what you think of when you think of a drunk and so i'm i'm very pointedly i we we played a show in fort wayne once and uh uh we it was it was a fun show it was at a at a place called maury's uh or no bob vila's party house <laughs> and uh Never heard of it. It was it was a it was a house venue. It was exactly what you would think it is. I think it was like one to twelve dozen young men living Mm -hmm. in a place, and then they had shows too in the in the basement. Um, The Rutabaga played over there. Uh, Of course they did. uh, The so in fact, when we the that show like we we played, and they had randomly a a local Fort Wayne band had played there recently had played their final show at at that house in the basement and rutabaga was on it and um i i literally geeked out and was like do you have any more of these posters like those are my like they, I, I love those guys love i love josh guys. i love yeah. i love garth garth recorded our last album the, no yes yeah, the, the yeah. ship is sinking and uh anyways so we we go into round by round off of um don't give up the ship and I'm like, this this song's about drinking, and uh, like three three guys do what guys do sometimes when when, when I reference drinking, they're like, woo, and I was like, no, I'm not drinking like that, man. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> and that's and that's kind of the, it's a it's a it's a very pointed picture and analogy of um, pain and uh, not doing healthy things in a healthy way. Right, and it's funny you lead off with that because I like that was like I still make notes on paper like a caveman, but oh uh, no, I love it. My like through listening to both albums, um, one thing that popped out to me um, is like a, a very Bukowski esque lyrical theme. I don't know if you read him or not. If you don't. I have. You should. Yeah, I, I have not a ton. Um, it's funny because uh, uh, Chad Forbright, who played bass for, for us for a long, long time, is a poet. Uh, like, he, he went to college and, like, had really? smarts no and, and, you know, is a published author. Like, nice. I never, I don't think he... Um, we we aren't we aren't as close as we used to be, but I don't think he ever got around to having a whole book published. But but was nice. a published poet, and uh, he he loved Bukowski, and yeah. so I, I 
uh, obviously I'm, uh, I write lyrics, so I've I've dabbled in poetry yeah. myself and read some. Well, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of difference between the two. I mean, in my mind, and especially when I'm listening to, the, I'm like, yeah, these are like uh, fucking light. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the uh, first garage episode because of the the whole COVID thing and the fucking light keeps going off. So I, I like it. It's very moody. Yeah, we're setting the mood. We're starting <laughs> lighting some candles yeah. and bringing out the wine. But uh, no, uh, God damn it! What I lost my train of thought. Bukowski. Yeah. Poetry. Yeah. Uh, lyrics. The, just the. I mean, it wasn't like this. And I want to make a bad reference here because it kind of reminded me of it when I was listening. I was actually listening to it today on my way back from work, making notes. But uh, like a Dropkick Murphys, like there's a little bit of that in there where it's like the good time. But there's also there's more depth to it where it's like what you were saying, like there's the detrimental side as well, which that's where I get the Bukowski from. Because, I mean, a lot of people know Bukowski is like a, um, a poet, as you said, but like the prose, like the books that he's written about, you know, it's it really kind of goes into more depth like you were you were talking about. My my. My hope with Loon, like I, I started Loon with a, a dear friend, Josh Mert, who was the, my, my first musical better half for a long time. I started back in 2005 and um, we had both been in bands or done music for most of our life and, and I was already past the point in my mind where I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to care about getting big. I didn't want to care about making money at it. I didn't want to care about being famous in any kind of traditional sense. Uh, I wanted to make music that was important and said something. And specifically as I, as I got going in the second half and what has become the most important half of my creative life um, I realized very quickly that I I wanted to work very actively to to strip myself on the song that I I wanted to make myself as uncomfortable as possible in fact the whole idea of the ship records and we were supposed to start recording the the third one in this of the three-part thing this year but obviously everything went to went straight to hell um and and that feels very loon too because we always we never get things recorded when we say <laughs> we will um uh, the whole idea of the ship records is is that idea and and it's been interesting because the first one was almost on accident don't give up the ship um is is based off of a a navy saying Mm -hmm. and and it's actually a flag that they fly at like um and is it annapolis or i forget what the the naval academy is called i should know this my son is in the navy but uh and (laughs) so he's gonna listen to this and kick my ass and Please, I, you'll probably kick my ass too because I'll butcher it. But from best of my memory, uh, don't give up the ship. So the second British-American War, because there was most people 
like we we don't teach anything real well these days but there were there was a second british american war they they really wanted us back they really mm-hmm. really did and so there was the second conflict and at this point we had real real military-ish and we had real navy-ish and so we had an, an admiral and a, and a, a, a fleet of sorts but the british were the british you know they mm-hmm. their their navy was pretty intense and so in i don't know if it was the first or but it was early on the two navies met and the uh, flagship got hit pretty bad and the admiral was mortally wounded and the story goes that he pulled the captain which was his best friend uh, you know to him as he was dying and said don't give up the ship and supposedly the captain literally immediately grabbed a piece of cloth wrote that on it and flew it up the mast mm-hmm. don't give up the ship and we are the navy survived ish through and yes. and and of course obviously we're still for better or worse still here as america so it became a, a naval motto and um we we still fly that flag i put that flag up behind our our set every every night and that meant a lot to me it felt like a very though i am uh have very complicated emotions about the America and as does and, everybody right now, and, as everybody should. And the government and the military and the idea of colonization and and putting all of that aside, it was a very it felt like a very fierce and hopeful thing to say. And so yeah. the first album started with just that title of Don't Give Up the Ship. And it's became a story about a guy in a bar who plays songs about war shit kind of mm. and then as I stripped away more the the next one came around and uh, and I think very early very early on I realized I, I was like I think I see three albums don't give up the ship the ship is sinking and then the ship sails on and then the ship is sinking very quickly as I started writing songs for that um, got real serious real quick it's real dark the The ship is sinking is a real dark record um, I think every other song o- openly references suicidal tendencies mm-hmm. and, and that's very on purpose um, you aren't supposed to think that that person is healthy and I thought the third one was going to be this really smiley, hopeful thing. And I don't say that in a bad way, but as we've started writing, as I've started writing the, the um, songs that are going to end up being on The Ship Sails On, I realized, oh, I get what it is now. The first album is somebody who's broken but does not understand it, does not really have any good way to wrap around it. The songs on it are blunt objects. He's just lashing out. He's just just hurt. And he's calling women whores because he's he's an asshole and he's drunk and he's lonely. 
and he's broken. And the second record, he has hit rock bottom. You can't, he can't get more broken than he is. And the third record is going to be him telling you why. And, mm. and what I've realized is, oh, somehow the third one's going to be the darkest one of all. But, but not in a... That makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. Yeah, and... But dark in a different way, because what it is is going to be like, and here's, here's why. Here, here's why. Yeah. My dad sexually abused me. My mom hit me. Um, no adult believed me when I was a kid. And those are really heavy. And... Yeah. and um, I say all that to, to say that any anybody listening to this that knows me knows that I'm very self-conscious about learning all the time. And uh, uh, I, I always feel um, very unsure of where our place is in, in the South Bend music scene uh, and, and, and all of that because it is such a nakedly brutal I mean, we have sad bands. The, the Rutabaga, which we've already talked about, Josh Hensley is a beautiful, melancholy. Oh, they're great. I love writer, and and I, but I know I know that I like Josh has the decency to wrap a lot of it up in very very poetic, and I just come out and I'm like, I I fucking hate myself and I want to die. And, <laughs> and I don't. But the, the thing that is, I don't think it really comes across that way because I I I love both those albums. And I think I want to, not to get off track, but I kind of want to. No, I, I definitely feel like I just rambled for a real long time. No, so no, you, no, that was great. But um, like you, something you had said earlier, as far as like, um, I'm not trying to make it big. I'm not trying to, you know, do this or that. I just want to make, you know, I'm paraphrasing you, you know what you said, but I, that's very poignant to me because I always felt like at the point when you're trying to do like I'm going to make it big or I'm going to do this I'm going to do that at the point where that's the music isn't being made for the sake of the music like music being its own reward that's where it fucking goes way wrong and the other thing I wanted to say to you is when I initially got in contact with you, because you're saying about you got your, your place in the South End music scene, and I, I am prone to saying, fuck the South End music scene. <laughs> Not anybody personally, but when I first got a hold of you, you said something to the effect of, we're just glad somebody's listening. And let me preface this by saying, I don't have anybody on the show that I don't appreciate their music or what they do. So, yeah. so, and I mean, I'm nobody, but I'm not, I'm doing this because I like to talk about music. I like to talk about music with other people, but you had said, you know, we're just happy somebody's listening. That to me was surprising because I listen to you guys and I'm like, this is, this is a national band to my ears, and I, I mean, I listen to fucking everything, you know, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass or, you know, whatever, but I, th 
some of my favorite like quotes from people are always like oh fuck what you know these bigger bands are like we weren't trying to do this we're just having a good time like one of my favorite uh quotes from i think the singer from clutch said you know somebody asked him about their longevity and he was like he was like all we ever wanted to do was write some cool songs and play some cool shows i'm like how fucking perfect is that so if you're motivation is anything beyond that or what you had said like it, it becomes to me it becomes impure like if you're trying to like I'm gonna go out and fucking you know rule the world like man that's the wrong fucking place do it for yourself mm-hmm. you know like I said I don't want to repeat myself but another quote that I love I have no fucking I, I think Sting maybe said it forgive me <laughs> but uh, he said you know music is its own reward so, you know, for whoever, like, if you sat in your fucking living room and wrote these songs and played them to yourself and you were satisfied with that, that's all you needed to do, you know? But the fact that you put them out into the world and you're humble enough to go, man, we're just glad somebody's fucking listening to you. I think anybody who hasn't heard this stuff, and I want to clarify real quick before we go any further, Loon the Band is how you search these motherfuckers because oh my god I think there was three or four emails back and forth because I'm like where the hell are you guys because there's quite a few bands called Loon yep Loon and Luna well it's a so I I came up with the name Loon thinking I was being very very clever to myself of um it's a character in a, a a gritty noir detective book uh that nobody probably has read uh the author's named andrew vox and uh the burke detective novels and he had he had this friend who was uh super smart but he um had this fatal flaw of being convinced that his parents left him at an orphanage because of a big you know crazy like QAnon level conspiracy and uh, <laughs> I love this, this is, reference yeah. yeah it's it's a uh, and this is way before QAnon uh, and he and so his nickname became lunatic and then they would and they shortened that to loon L-U-N-E and so I was like oh, I like that lunatic he's, he's got a fatal flaw of he's real smart but he's kind of crazy I feel I feel kinship to that. Uh, then to find out year a few years down the road, like oh, because I'm a dumb white male American, I didn't think there's other languages on the planet. And Loon and Luna are like French, Spanish, Portuguese, uh, <laughs> I Italian. Gotcha. I think maybe like uh, all of those like Latin languages it's it's moon so right. like well and that's what i thought it was it, a reference it, yes to. and so like uh, and and you think i would you would think i'd be able to put that together loon lunar like i mean it's just it's not like once it once it was slapped in the face with the fact that there were all these bands with that that moniker i was like oh, i'm kind of dumb well <laughs> you, should, you should take credit in the fact that that you guys differentiated yourself by putting you know loon the band like 
Which I one, once I fucking typed that in, it was like bam. Okay, there it is. Which I one hundred percent stole from uh, uh, Horse the Band, which is a obscure math rock synth metal kind of mm. thing from the early two thousands. Uh, everybody listening that that came into my my store at Hot Topic in the mall back when I was an assistant manager will remember me feverishly pushing Horse the Band on yeah. them. You know I. I I've been trying to figure out for the longest time, like, how do I know you? <laughs> there it is. And yep, I think yep. that was that was it. Yeah, that's like, it. That's probably like, it. Uh, it. It used to be I could not I could not go go to shows or or go to any places in South Bend where people gather without many people going hot topic, dude. And and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and man, let me tell you, I was such a a fucking prick. I was such a music snob. I was such a. That's the fun part. Of I, was, a musician uh, I was. I was. <laughs> I see. I. You're I would. I would. I. I. But I. I don't. I don't think so. At least I'm. I'm. I'm a very different person. At, at forty, I have grown up quite a bit. I hope. And uh, I don't need to be snarky about if you fucking love the killers. I'm, which is. <laughs> All of this is outdated. I'm so old. Like there, there's nothing. I'm like even uh, my references to I got, things I've like fun of years on you, so are are like you know you hit that wall where you're just yeah, like yeah. where you're just like I don't even know the new bands that I would have made fun of if I was still doing that job. But you know I remember <laughs> I remember really ragging on the Killers pretty hard. Um, I had a I have a I had a bit uh, that I would do, uh, somebody would come in and ask if we had the Killers record, and I'd be like, "Hey man, do you have uh, do you have any other stuff?" When they went by their other name, and they'd get super stoked. They'd be <laughs> oh like, "They'd be like their other name." I'd be like, "Yeah, back when they were called the Rolling Stones." <laughs> <laughs> and and just real shitty stuff like that. Nice, nice. I just really, and it's needless. It's needlessly pissing on some something somebody loves and now I'm yeah. and now here at 40 I'm like who who am I who was who was I ever to tell you and and I want to I I I I preach some things a lot these days and and I was really into metal at the time and I don't know what the metal scene is like now but but let me tell you the worst human beings in music of of my time really being plugged in were the two thousand four three four to two thousand nine two thousand twelve metal fans. We can all collectively get fucked, and you can tell them I said so. <laughs> we were the worst. We were the worst human beings. <laughs> I remember Job for a Cowboy, which was a band out of Texas, dropped an EP. That everyone loved, and then literally they dropped a full length, and and all of the local metal scene just was like, they aren't even cool anymore. Like, yeah. what are they? What are they? They're on Ozfest now. Like, fuck them. And I'm like, <laughs> looking back at it, I'm like, what was our problem? Like, why? Why can't we? My my biggest fear is is when I look back I have so many regrets and so many fears but I look back on that time and I'm like man did I ruin music for somebody did some fucking innocent 15 to 17 year old come in and I just fucking blasted them with both, with both barrels of snarky bullshit Nathaniel and like oh, made them hate 
music because that music is so music I'll get emotional I get emotional sometimes when I I, I, I talk about this rock and roll saved my life the only the only reason I'm still here multiple times over is because rock and roll means so fucking much to me and and picking up my guitar means so much to me and and I I, I at least want to go on on record as many times as I can saying fuck anyone who doesn't like what you that tells you you can't like something or tells you that no. that like Slipknot's a shitty band or or whatever like fuck fuck us fuck all, like music is so cool music is so cool and now I'm at a point in my life where like you know things that would have like freaked out teenage Nathaniel like uh, uh, or, or even freak out people at work when I play stuff over my speaker like I went through a when uh, Beyonce's Lemonade came out, I fucking, I slammed that record. When it finally came to iTunes, I was like, I played that for like two weeks straight yeah. at work. And people would be like, what? I'd be like, Jay-Z did wrong, man. This is what happens when you do wrong. <laughs> and you're, you're married to Beyonce. She goes into a studio and calls up Jack White and a bunch of other motherfuckers. And they put out the greatest album of the last seven years. Yeah. And, and they make sure that it goes platinum and that you, Jay-Z, have to hear it everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. And know what you did. You you did that, Jay-Z. That's funny you say that, dude, because I'm, I'm still kind of, I mean, not, I don't know. I'm, I'm a snob, snob to a certain extent where I kind of go digging for other stuff. But I, you know, as far as pissing on everybody's. Like what you like, like not so much that, but I, I really have a problem with like, like there's a song that came out in the last four or five years, uh, The Middle. It's a fucking, it's a straight up pop song. I can't remember who the fuck it is. My wife's gonna kick my ass. But anyways, I can't get enough of the fucking song. And there, you know, there's other pop songs like that. So I'm like, I hear that and that's like a fucking, that's an earworm. That's like, fuck man, that's a great song. But then you hear everything that comes after it trying to be that because mm -hmm. it was such a smash. And I have no problem like just pissing on that because I'm like, and it goes even further more for like modern country where you got like three guys in Nashville writing all the fucking songs so they all sound the same. So I, 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 I kind of, I get caught up in that and, and like it, pissing on the formulaic stuff, and, but and it gets worse than that. And I and I no, I, I agree yeah. with you in the in the sense that like country is a good, I, okay, yeah. You want to test my limits of what I mean by that is, I think what I mean is, I have now learned to communicate my displeasure and articulate why I do not like something without coming in with the jackhammer of you're fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. like, like, why do you like this, you, you idiot, you ignoranus? Like, go to school, go to music school, right. and not, and like the music school of the streets, and learn like what right. it is. But I agree with you. There is, there are few things that offend me more. On a, on a, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person, but uh, music is, is, is a very spiritual thing to me. I yeah. think, I think, those I kind of things can don't have to be attached to a specific faith 
No. Uh, but on a spiritual level, on a philosophical level, on a political level, modern radio country is a is a insult. It is literally an insult to the roots of of one of the greatest meldings of black culture going right. back to slave times and white Appalachian rural poor America. One of those times when when the two groups that have so much in common but but so much has been built to keep them apart mm-hmm. of poor white America like rural poor like super dirt poor right. white America and the slave and ex-slave black American and to listen to the fucking shit that comes out of Nashville and to know that like what it should be and and let me tell you man there is you you got Nikki Lane you have uh, um, drive-by truckers you have Jason Isabel yeah you got guys you, that are still like they're doing like it. there are there are people that are doing real country yeah and 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 I, I listening to this you can tell I'm like loon if you listen to us like it is very obvious that I am like I as a songwriter and making no bones about the fact that I fucking love bluegrass. Like, I don't know how obvious it is to everyone, but it's very obvious to me that, like, I throw as much twang into stuff as I can. Well, one of my notes said it was like banjo, question mark. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, you know. It's a, but it, no, yeah, it, is a, it is a cheater banjo, by the way. It is definitely a, a banjo resonator with a six string neck. So, oh, okay. So gotcha. there, is, gotcha. there is no relearning of chords for anybody in the studio with gotcha. that. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I love music is so abrasive. It, music, like all art, if powerful rich people are comfortable with it, it's you are fucking up. Probably not good. You are, you are yeah. fucking up. I guarantee it. Like, yeah. like you should be, I, I will just keep. Referencing the rutabaga because I love him, I love him so much. I, I grew up with, with Josh. Well, I'll do the and, same thing that I did on the spaceship show and say, "Well, I should have that band on," which should. was Loon on the spaceship. <laughs> you should definitely. You I love definitely. those guys. I lo- I know Garth uh, really well. Josh on the on the last record has a a line that's um, about um, I don't I don't need no Baptist convocation to feel queer to feel super super queer. I grew, I grew up with Josh. Uh, I don't want to speak for him, but like, I, I that is such a dangerous line, and I, I mean that in the bet. Like when I say dangerous in art, like to me that's a good thing. Yeah. We grew up in conservative Christian Elkhart, going to a private Christian school and a conservative GRAB Baptist church. I, we went to Awanas together. We. We came from a very specific world. And when I heard that, the Rutabaga has fans all over the world, all over this country. Mm-hmm. But I felt like Josh was talking to Nathaniel because we... That's the perfect lyric. Yeah, like we, <laughs> we, we had lived through a, a very specific thing. And once again, 
I'm, I may com be completely misunderstanding that, but to me, even something that on the surface maybe isn't immediately controversial or dangerous, like art is exciting that way. Like when you scratch at it, when you keep mm. digging at it, yeah. if it's good, yeah, it's, it's dangerous. And maybe that is just one, going back to the beginning of the conversation. That could just be me trying to justify the fact that I fucking slam the listener's face into pain yeah. over and over again as if to say I, we talk we are, we are so much better in 2020 than we were when I was growing up in the 90s as a teenager talking about sexual abuse and physical abuse and, and mental health and, and PTSD yeah it's come a long way for sure but and yet it is still so painfully not good you know uh, the reason the, the reason that I initially I know exactly why I initially was using war references because it wasn't until after the first record that I went to therapy and got diagnosed with PTSD and, and really started to unpack on a surface level some of the stuff that lived inside of me and I and it hit me like oh yeah because like little young Nathaniel the only like I always remembered like watching really gritty war stuff or reading like I was a huge nerd and read tons of stuff about war and not the fun stuff like I'd find like real real shit with like infantry soldiers and like people who did shit and I always felt a real kinship to them, and I was like, "Oh, it's because they all had they all have fucking PTSD too, too." Like, yeah, like, like sense. young Nathaniel that lived through a an abusive home has a, had a real kinship with uh, these people that had been through war. Mm -hmm. And um, for any listeners that don't know, post traumatic stress syndrome or disorder is. Um, it's just when your body is raised to an adrenaline level like by fear or trauma, which is the same thing, pain, fear, the fight or flight kind of thing. If your body is raised to that for an extended period of time, it literally changes your brain chemistry. It literally breaks parts of you. Now, everybody has moments of PTSD. If you if you've ever been in a car wreck, if you've ever had, like, uh, came home and had a break-in, uh, there's all these little events that I could tell you that I would be like, but because it was just an isolated thing, it happened one time and went away, your body healed. Like, like you spiked up, ah! And then yeah. it came down. And even some of those individual events can imprint on you so hard that that still kind of messes with you. Yeah. Severe PTSD, like you find in soldiers, like you find in people that are in abusive situations, is when it's every day for weeks and then months and then years. When you live with that kind of raised adrenaline level, it just changes you. Soldiers get it real bad. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the first thing that kind of made society take notice of it, you know, back in World right. War One and World War Two when they called it shell shock. Shell shock, yeah, I've read that. Um, that's 
funny you bring that up. Not funny, haha, but yeah. yeah. And I do and, remember reading that that they called it that because they didn't know what the hell it was. At the yeah, time. They, and yeah. and and they were just shit about mental health back then, and they kind of they're like, well, you shake it off. Like it's the idea of like well, it's something that you can. Yeah, I think they still off. kind of shit about mental health. Is, is you know we can go down that road, but. I mean, it's more under, the, it's more understood in the time of Trump and ICE concentration camps. We're yeah. still shit about mental health. Yeah, believe you need another one. No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, though. Um. So, yeah. Anyways, I feel like I'm just going all over the no, place. No, you're, you're good, dude. Um, it's it's very uh, it's just good. Um, I wanted to circle back to something. I hate to keep like being the douchebag, dropping fucking quotes, but. Something you touched on, like, you know, you were saying shoving people's face and, you know, fear. It reminded me of uh, something Tom Waits said. Um, he's like, I like beautiful melodies telling me terrible things. Because I, I feel wow, like as much as... I, I have not heard that quote, but that really, that makes me feel seen. That, well, I, no, it, it should, because, that, like, that, as much as you think that's, like, you're just, blah, it, it's, it's, the vehicle is perfect like the songs are not I, I don't know how you take this but the songs are I don't want to say pop but oh. there there's definitely there's a hooky edge there so you're like you, you do you, you have that that lyrical content but the fact that it's so good it pulls people into it so they're going what what's he saying you know, and I, I, I actively get off like in a, I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it says about me as a person, but I get fiendish delight at taking very, very catchy choruses, really hooky stuff and using it to really strip the most raw, uh, on, on Don't Give Up, or on The Ship Is Sinking, the second track is um, No Wait. And I, I talk in the verses and mm-hmm. then the chorus. So it, uh, the, and the talking is brutal. Like it is brutal stuff that I'm, I'm speaking out. Um, the, the second verse, um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. It's, um, it's, been a, it's been a hell of a week, son, a hell of a week. Uh, and I'm going to open up every old scar tonight, every single one. And I don't care how big of a mess, and I don't give a fuck if you want to watch, because it's not about you tonight. Oh no, it's not, not me. me. And then I go right into this like, no wait, I'm just kidding. It's three a.m. Like it's very, it's this very sweet melody, and and in it's that idea of like abrasive, but then like trying to be, trying to have a candy coating around this kind Absolutely, of dude. this kind of like harsh thing. The biggest, like, and this may be a terrible comparison, but actually probably not because you've got a lot of 90s in there that I hear, but um, one album that uh, killed me was the first Third Eye Blind album. I, and, I mean, if, whether you're familiar I, with I, it. I think it, how, like, I'm 40, you're... 47. 47. Yeah. So we are, we are a kin in a generation. Like, you were, you were very much at the the top end of it and I was I'm like the depending on who you ask what year I'm either the first millennial or the last Gen Xer right I, 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 I being born in 80 puts me square 
in the middle of ending and mm. beginning of quote unquote generations. Anybody in our age group that says that they didn't fucking slap the shit out of that first third eye blind record is lying to you. Oh, I love that and, album. And that, the, my point being comparison to you is like that was such a hooky, heavy, poppy and it, fucking the lyrics, and the are, lyrics brutal. are like what the uh, fuck did he just say? He is just talking about drug addiction and yeah, suicide dude. and death and like, everywhere well, over that. Yeah, that's perfect and it's a perfect illustration. The Goo the Goo Dolls little little black balloon. It's all about heroin addiction mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just this catchy sweet Goo Goo Dolls record. Uh, real quick just cuz I feel like it always needs to be said. Also at home, if anybody in your life that's in that Gen X to like first wave millennial that says that they didn't love, not just own, but love the first Hootie and the Blowfish record, I am telling you, I am promising you, I am swearing on everything. They are lying. They are lying. We all own that record. Everybody we, owned that we fucking We owned, record. and we all knew every word to every song. I, I, there were like five singles on that first Hootie and the Blowfish record. You know, the, the, the quickest way to piss my wife off is for me to be sitting on the couch and either play an ACDC song or better, better, a Hootie and the Blowfish song. Because I can fucking do it. It's, it's, you know. It's just so, it was such a, it was, it was, it only became Perfectly a punchline because it was such a great pop record. Both of those, the Third Eye Blind record. Yeah, they blew and the, up. It, it, they were so catchy. That, mm-hmm. he, that they then almost instantly turn that corner to being a punchline because so many people have those yeah. records. All right, so we're going to go down this road now because these are some of the notes that I made about the net. So jumping in just like, and I, I want to preface this by saying I feel like I ask some boring fucking questions sometimes like, and the guy from Truck Fighters busted my balls. But this is the stuff that, like interest me if I mm-hmm. if I listen to your music and it speaks to me, this is the shit I want to know. So forgive me if I if these these questions come off as boring, but I don't know how I don't know how I'm not in a world where I have been asked enough about my own music that I'm in any way shape or form okay. jaded about fair, being asked about my own fair, music. Fair enough, fair enough. Which which just might be the most egotistical thing that I've just admitted. I don't I don't know, but like. Yeah, you're yeah. go uh, shoot. Let's so go. The, the influences. What are, what are your influences? Because we just talked about the '90s thing, and the reason I ask this is because my friend Drew and I got okay. So we're gonna wind back around this. I got to tell the story real quick first. I was in a band uh, about five years ago called Beauty Behind the Wreck, and uh, we played a show with you guys at oh, uh, Smiths. Okay. So. Here's my my downfall as a local music consumer is we go and we play these shows and because I work out of town so much, I I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I do it Friday mornings, Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings. So I gotta get up at the ass crack of dawn on those days. So right. normally your show is gonna be Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday. So as soon as we're done playing, I pack up and I get the fuck out because I need to go to sleep. Right. To be ready for class. I have done the same thing. So there was a show that we did at Smith's, and I think it was downstairs. If I'm, because I've asked Gavin and Drew, which Gavin was the singer in that band, and Drew was the guitar player. Um, I asked them leading up to this interview because I was like, 
you guys told me about that. So I had packed up and left. And the next day they were like, that fucking band was amazing. He's like, you missed a great fucking band. And it wasn't until uh, recently that I kind of went back and because I had heard the name come up and I was like, oh, dumbass. Like, yeah, I got to stop doing that because I missed some good, really good stuff a lot of times. But um, so I asked Drew, I was like, man, these fucking guys, they either sound like exactly like somebody, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. or they're just such an amalgam of so much stuff that I loved from that era. And I feel like that stuff's timeless to my ear and probably to you too, as mm-hmm. far as like the age group that we're in. But like, that's why I asked the influence question. Cause I was like, I was like, Drew, what do you hear, man? Cause Drew's a bigger nineties head than I could ever fucking want to be. But he said, he, he gave me a fucking a long list and I was like, I hear kind of want to hear that list almost. So he, it might still be on my phone, actually. So I know one of the ones was um, the one that I said. Okay, here it is. Because I was like, I don't think I can narrow them down to just one. He said this one '90s band, as much as they just have that quintessential '90s sound. Because I'm like, man, they just. So he said. Refreshments, which I don't hear so much. Oh, I no, he he is. I I fucking love that record. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that record. I know. Oh, that's one of the first refreshments record was real, real good. Oh, great record, Soul Asylum, which I I hear a little bit. All right. And he said Cracker, but I was like, I hear more Camper Van Beethoven than Cracker. Uh, keep. I'm loving this. Okay, I'm loving it. And he said definitely Pixies. Which I love the Pixies, so that makes sense. Bob Mold, which I don't know much of, and the replacements. And I was like, the replacements is what I hear a lot. Uh, so uh, I think I think he I think you're both like on the on the track, and, and it but it didn't come to me until later, honestly. Well, obviously there, you there said was, you were a metal fan at some point. It, it, oh yeah, like I. Anyways, I, I roll my eyes at myself. Like, because once again, the worst 2004 to Metal Fans 10 because they think metal is the best music, which. But then they. If, if that's bad enough, but then they cannibalize themselves. Yeah. By like, like sub genreing and sub sub genreing oh, and then man. deciding within those genres what bands are pure. We're going to. This yeah. could be its own podcast. <laughs> Me bitching about metal that I love. Could could be its own thing, so, but anyways, um, you warm enough there? Yes, I'm fine. I'm, thank you. I'm gonna figure this out real quick. Um, I, uh, I, I, there was a. Do you know who Bobby Bear Jr. is? No, I do not. So his dad, he's from Nashville. His dad is uh, Bobby Bear, and was a big country star at, at in the seventies, and then Bobby Bear Jr started a band when he was in his 20s in the, in the 90s called Bear Jr. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not get the first Bear Jr. record, but I did get the second one, which was on like um, Virgin, or it was on like it was on like a um, a major label. Like they got signed. You know, their, their first record did good enough that they got signed. I'm sure it didn't hurt that his dad was Nashville right. royalty. Um, and it, 
It's called Brainwasher, and I played the shit out of that record. The first Cracker record, I played oh, over and over and over again with, um, was it Kerosene? Was that the single? Kerosene Heaven was the second one. There was one before that. Then it, yeah. The, so, it, but the, yeah, like I've just played them like crazy. Um, the, the refreshments, I played that like crazy. And I, I didn't realize until many years into Loom, because I, I did know that there was always a 90s thing there. But then I went back and I started like picking at, because there's, there's all this like, all, what we now call alt country or Americana, Americana yeah. you know, yeah, like, yeah. like, which is just everyone, it's just a way of saying like not shitty country. All, all Americana or alt right. country is saying is like country that would piss off country fans. Yeah, which I think you guys could get a little bit of like, uh, you know, if somebody didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, they would definitely. Uh, pigeonhole you guys yeah yeah and they there was a lot of country in that stuff like when you go back and dig into like that that, like second half of the 90s post post like pumpkins nirvana pearl jam right soundgarden house and chains all of a sudden the the more underground raw stuff because you had like your bushes and your your um Candle box, not candle box. I'm trying to think of. Anyways, there there were like some bands that I still liked a lot, but when you look back on it, like, you were obviously just like like that was just a sound that you were you were like we're gonna do this thing now. Right. Um. The stuff that was a little bit grittier, that was a little bit weirder, was all obviously country influenced. Like it was yeah. all it was all real folk. And you know that's mm. kind of the dirty secret of rock and roll, anyways, right? It's at its heart, it's, almost all rock and roll is just folk. What we call folk, which is yeah. just bluegrass or country or or yeah. on it. But and I think that this, especially twenty twenty, it's important to say, and all of that is just stolen directly from black musicians in the South. Yeah. Ex-slaves and and slaves, you know your 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 muddy waters and your Absolutely. Robert Johnsons, and the people that that created the music that has saved my life. Like we we just we just we just colonized the whole thing. We just grabbed the whole thing yeah. and turned it into a, appropriate, a, you know, white oh. white guy thing. Yeah. But all that to say, I mean, I'm forty. The whole reason I picked up a guitar is I. Uh, wasn't supposed to listen to MTV because once again I grew up in a super conservative Christian household. I wasn't supposed to listen to rock and roll. I was supposed to watch MTV, and I forget I forget if it was like a it, if you if you remember back in the old days of cable, you could block certain channels and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I and I think what it was is like my parents thought they had blocked MTV, but it wasn't. Hmm. And I remember. Hearing smells like teen spirit. And for anybody younger than us, it is it is like trying to it's like tr- somebody trying to explain the Beatles to you mm-hmm. that was there. Like we a lot of us love the Beatles. Most of us love the Beatles, but we but unless you were there, you 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 can't pretend that you really know what they mm-hmm. did. Right. It is impossible to explain to people way younger than us, like that that song just fucking lit the whole world on like it just yeah. burned the whole like 30 like 30 seconds before it it was poison yeah and 
you know, warrant and rat and Whoa. all of this stuff. Yeah. And then like Nirvana <clears throat> came out and, and I, I remember hearing, you know, uh, Chris Cornell talking about like they were signed to sub pop before, yeah. you know, uh, Nirvana. And, and when Nirvana got signed, they, you know, just like any rec- record label does, they all kind of got the stuff that was, and then he were, he, I remember him talking about putting bleach into the, into the Soundgarden tour van. They were, they were going out on the road and like, you know, he's like, we all just stopped. We all were like, what is, yeah, what, what, the fuck? what is, this is the next, this is this, this is the thing. And so right. all of that stuff, the pumpkins and all that. But if you fast forward and say like, what, gave me the spark to to jump out on a on a limb and like my first band that I tried to do was just a real pop punk ripoff kind of thing like I was just very much trying to do that which is kind of 90s adjacent in too okay. but like the thing that made that me start a, was that a band that played out or that or? Uh, yeah way way back it? in the day Sonnet with two C's because I was an asshole and I, I, I wanted to add extra, I wanted to add extra letters to things like the well, Beatles. Well, you know, <laughs> works for them. <laughs> Fuck it, might as well try. Yeah, um, and uh, my friend uh, Calvin, they are in Analicta, which is okay. Patrick's main. Yep. That plays Drums and Loon. Patrick's main show band is Analicta. I, it seems like we played on a, or no. I'd never played at uh, the well, but uh, I saw a show there, and it was there because my buddy was in Lucid Lions. Oh, okay. At the time, which is another band that Brett was in. Yes, he was. And uh, and Alex was on. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, Calvin was my employee at Hot Topic, and they are one of the few people I've met in my life that is a bigger music nerd than I am. And it was like two great big nerd computer music machines syncing up. And it was like the scenes from High Fidelity. They came in and they, (laughs) yes, very much so. And they came in to work one day and they handed me this burned CD. And they said, I think you will like these bands and there was a bunch of stuff that I liked but there was one band that changed my life and one band that I've already mentioned that happened real close together and that was a band called 16 Horsepower which is uh, out from an out west band uh, Utah or and they are this weird dark folk Americana thing like a lot of uh, uh, squeeze boxes and accordion okay. and bass, but and like slide guitar, and but it's ro- it's got a rock and roll beat. It's got that it's got mm-hmm. that backbeat, you know. It's, yeah. it that drummer's hitting it, man. But it's got all this dark folk, and he he sings like he's at the scariest church you've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then and then right on the heels of that, I bought Murder by Death's first record. Who, uh, who will survive? Or not um, like The Exorcist, but with more breakdancing. You know, I know that band, but I cannot fucking place them for the life of me. I'll have to look that up after this. But yeah, 
And it's not that Loon is a direct anything to those two bands, because I don't, I don't think we are really. But they both, in their own ways, and in some similar ways, made me go, oh, you rock and roll's this big, wide world. Yeah. And, and it's a big sandbox, and everybody can play in it. And you don't have to sound like anything. And it's hard to say that that it now, but like when Loon first started, we were a two-piece acoustic act, and and uh, occasionally Josh would play cello live, and and there wasn't anything around here like us. Nobody liked us, but other but other musicians, it like the first the first Loon shows were just all like people and other bands. Which, which you would think would, would make me feel confident, but I still to this day, like, uh, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm convinced the rock and roll police are going to knock on my door any day and go, you know, we, we really let you have a good run, but honestly, you, you knew this day was coming. We that's, need, that's hilarious. We need, you your, we, need your, we need your instruments, and there's a musician that needs these somewhere. Here's, and I think here's the thing. Like, you classify yourself as like, you know, a music nerd as as do I and I hear stuff like like the first time I saw Baroness it was this fucking the basement of the Murat in Indianapolis and there was like there might have been 50 people there and I'm like these guys are fucking amazing. I don't know how much you know. Of I, I know I know enough to know that, that they play for more than fifty people. Well, at the time, <laughs> now, now at, like yeah, now that, that the world caught up to what you obviously knew then. Right, and I'm just like, so to me, like I can't quantify. Like, you know, I hear you, and I'm like, these guys are fucking awesome, but. I think we, that's why I said earlier, like, fuck the South Bend music scene, because I think there's so many people here, and I'll get fucking filleted for this, because I, I play in a cover band now, and I've always had an adverse um, attitude towards cover bands, because people would rather go see that than seek out original music, and I feel like because some of the bands that I've been in and Loon don't sound like either something off U93 or something off The Bear. I think I now know what... don't like it. I think I now know what you mean by the scene. Uh, Yeah, people coming to shows are always fickle. I I will say the musicians in South Bend, the bands in South Bend, what I I mean when I say the South Bend music scene... Mm which I guess I'm talking more on a peer peer level is I think it's really special. I think oh, South yeah. Bend has a has a uh, underappreciated, unique and very vibrant music scene. Um, I was just thinking on the way over here how you know Nat was on the the, well, the last show or the two shows before and, and I listened to that and we we played. Uh, I didn't know Nat at the time, but like we played Spaceships for a show. Like that, like we were, I, f- I forget where it was at. I forget who booked it. I forget who went on before whom or, or what, because I never pay attention to any of that stuff. Um, but we were we were there at the beginning of Spaceships, and I, I remember thinking, yeah, 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 they're they're raw, they're but they're gonna get there, like yeah. you know. And it's been so much fun watching that band. Uh, 
turn into just a re- like just a real powerhouse and yeah. and um but there's just like tons of um really caring empathetic switched on folks making art around here and being loud about i think important things mm-hmm. um the frustration to me is getting that across to the what do I want to say? Like you're just your everyday music consumer to say, hey, there's better shit in your own backyard. And I, ha- I have a, a story to kind of illustrate this, but uh, it's just irritating to me to know that there's bands out there like Spaceships or Loom or insert name here that people don't know are here. I was in a band it's been 10 years ago now since the band broke up, but we were opening for bands at Club Fever, which is a, a mm-hmm. big venue. Yep. And I remember uh, one show, and I can't even remember, I might have told this on this fucking podcast once before. The place was fucking packed, and I think, I want to say it's like three or 4,000 capacity. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to our merch table, as you do, like as soon as you're done, so mm-hmm. you can hawk your wares. Yep, yep. And I, I couldn't count on 10 hands how many people go, where are you guys from? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you, you enjoy us enough, like you're fucking mobbing the merch table mm-hmm. and like us that much, but you could have came and seen us down the fucking road for $5 20 fucking times in the last six months. Yeah. It's just filtering it down to go, hey, there's really fucking good stuff in your backyard that you should be seeking out. Yeah. And there's there's some crap too. But, you know, I I think, um, I think, um, uh, I think, I think part of, I think one of the only benefits of having imposter syndrome so bad that it's almost a clinical level is I'm just so, uh, I, I can shrug all that stuff off. We haven't played in so long, like most people haven't played in so long. So like, I don't, I can't think of a time recently, like when I say recently in the last two years, but almost every Loon show, at least one to three people comes up and goes, hey man, that was really good. How long have you guys been a band? And like at this point, Loon's like quietly one of the longest running South Bend. Well, just bands. Like, this is a, as a footnote to that. I'm going <laughs> like I started listening to uh, this. What's the second album? The uh, the ship is sinking. Yeah, and I was like, forgive me, mm-hmm. but I thought that was a new album. <laughs> and I and I then I when I finally looked it up on uh, Spotify, I'm like, 2014. All right, well, fuck. <laughs> but I mean, as a you know, a caveat to that, it sounds fresh, six years old, you Thank know, you. And, yeah. and and just as you know, another you know, caveat is when I compare you to these '90s bands. That's I mean, that's not saying you guys oh, sound no. dated at all. No, uh, I, I, I feel like it, it sounds. Do you like, know Ian uh, Skies at all? Uh, uh, he he was in his first band that I knew him in was Pink Balloon Band. 
from Warsaw. His new oh. band is called uh, is Joy House, and you should get him on here. Ian, I love him so much. And and if you, if you love stuff that is not is not a blatant ripoff of '90s, but is obviously like so steeped in that sound. Hmm. Go and look up Joy House as okay. soon as like as soon as I leave. Like go go. Yeah, his contact info. Uh, I, I do. Okay, send I it do. to me. I will. Um, because yeah, you uh, all all art, all of humankind is just building off the the past. Anybody that's anybody telling you that they have a new anything is lying. <laughs> On some level, what right, not right. knowingly or unknowingly, because, and I guess I, because I make so many things political these days to kind of bring it back to the politics of it all. That's capitalism for you, right? Capitalism teaches us in America from the time that we're born that you're a unique, special snowflake. To to quote a kind of not kind of a very problematic movie. Uh, and and yes, you are you you a human being. You as a, a a a entity are important and special and unique. But you are building off of everything that's come before you, yeah, standing and, on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, and also everything that's around you. We're all connected, and so much of America is built on the idea of separating us from each other. It's me versus you. It's it's my band versus your band. Mm -hmm. It's my my career at work versus your career at work. It's it's my survival of the fittest. It's it's this fucking shitty Dawkins-esque Darwinism combined with like weird puritan foundations. That deny the 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 sins of America, while pretending that we bleed only purity and we deserve to own the world. And manifest destiny. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm I'm here to tell everyone all the time, like like I'm I'm never gonna be mad that you're like you sound like this because I probably do because I probably listen to it and also. Here's the thing, man. There's major and minor keys. There's only so many chords ever yeah. in There's existence. Only 12 like fucking notes, it's man. like it's it's we're yeah. and rock and roll is a is a three to seven if you're really crazy chord medium. Like right. Nikki Lane, who already referenced uh, Patrick when we were getting psyched to start writing the new record, he sent me this like uh, Tim Armstrong from Rancid like did a did this like uh, documentary voiceover for about uh, this new breed of country and Nikki Lane was one of the people they interviewed in it and he was like this really this feels like Loon this feels like you like this is really cool and I was already most of the stuff that was the people they talked to I was already a fan of I was already a fan of hers and she's in this thrift store and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the quote but she has the greatest fucking she she explains country and rock and roll and music perfectly She's like, yeah, we we've opened for we've toured with Social Distortion a couple times now, and um, 
you know, that's always made a lot of sense to me because country music and punk rock were both four chord mediums. I was like, just blew my fucking mind. I mean, it's something that I knew, but had never like heard articulated. I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's all, we're all playing off the same handbook. Yeah. We're all, absolutely. we're all doing the same thing. I mean, like some of us are like Eli Khan, who is playing fusion jazz mixed with rock and roll. But like, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't I do know, that yeah. stuff. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't do that either. And it's funny to me to hear like, you know, no matter how hard you try, and this is more uh, kind of sad to me as a guitar player, because you always think, you know, there's the joke, like, how many guitar players does it take to change a light bulb? Like, one to do it, and three of them just say how they could do it better. You know, and, right. and that it's the truth, because, like, you're like, okay, you know, you, you got all your licks and whatever, you're like, ah. But yeah, at the end of the fucking day, it's like you're not reinventing the wheel, you know. I I'm I'm a realist in that sense. Like uh, I I do what I do, and I, I I know exactly what you're saying, but yet have never felt that way. I, I will I will I will I will say I will tell this very quick story to 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 like. So on on the ship is sinking. There's a song called Exit Stage Right, and it starts with Garth playing organ. Just by himself, organ. Did he play organ on just about everything on there? Yes, he, he did. There was some, there. I made a note, and I was like, "It's the same." I think it's. No, we'll get to it. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he he plays the beginning, and then the bass comes in, drums come in, but but the rhythm guitar doesn't come in until right before the second verse, and it's just this. It's just this very smooth rhythm thing. And I played it for my friend Travis, my best friend Travis, when when I when when I got the first version of it, so like the earliest mix, and I was like, like this is something different, like we're we're really pushing ourselves to do some different things and stuff, and he was like, he he, he like the guitar kicks in and he just immediately goes, man, did Josh play that? I was like, no. And, he, and the guy that played drums is also was on that record. Paul Bedwin was also is also what is primarily a guitar player, and he's like, "Did Paul play that?" I'm like, "No, I played that, man." Like, <laughs> what the fuck, like, dude? He was like, he's like, it was real good. I was like, "Shit!" <laughs> like, I, I, I just have never. I, I've always. I know that a lot of guitar players that I've known have very much that mentality. I've never been one. I've always been a humble rhythm guitar player, and if I do something that people think is cool, um, I get real tickled because I, I think it's mostly smoke and mirrors that I'm doing. Like I think it's it's mostly shtick. Oh, I should I should quantify because it it's it's the lead guitar players that are assholes. Uh, they, they they definitely can be. Yeah. So when I'm referencing that, yeah, it's it's the lead dickheads. So we went over the influence thing, like I, but kind of ran over you with what we thought your band sounded like. No, no. But what I mean, you you covered quite a few. Was there I, anything I, else that we didn't? I, I I love I love rock and roll, man. I I grew up listening to all of that '90s grunge, alternative. It's just just catchy punk rock, you know. Yeah. Like, Nirvana is just a catchy punk band. They called yeah. it grunge. 
And yeah. when you really and, and if I was to be really nerdy about it, like all the stuff we call grunge, like that first wave stuff, they were all different genres. Mm-hmm. Alice in Chains is a metal band. Smashing Pumpkins are for sure a fucking metal band. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what Soundgarden is. I'm I'm I to this day couldn't I don't know if you put a gun to my head I could really tell you what yeah. what. They I are. Think they, they were a metal band, but they were a little more progressive than they were. Else. They were like a pro, like a catchy like prog, a prog band, prog band yeah. almost. And then uh, Pearl Jam is a blues rock band. They're a blues rock band. They're just like yeah. an old, what we would what what I would just affectionately call rock and roll. Pearl yeah. Jam is just rock and roll, man. Yeah, there was so much stuff in in that era that got fucking lumped in as. Because that was the because big it was thing. The, it was a thing, you know. And there was like the whole Seattle scene, but it was like, man, think about think about every tour Primus did for the first eight years. Primus was a band. When you go back and look at those first Primus tours, you are constantly like, why the fuck is Primus co-headlining with Limp Fucking Biscuit? I just <laughs> this will get this will get on that same note. Like a year or two ago, I saw him co-headline with Mastodon, and I'm like. This makes no sense, but it's fucking awesome. You know, in a weird way, I would argue that makes complete sense. Knowing Mastodon yeah, and how they okay. kind of like They're their weird. whole thing, and knowing Primus, I'm like, I get what you're saying. On one level, sonically, you're like, mm, but I like as a music ethic, fan? ethically, like as like how they approach the yeah, thing. The, the I'm humor like, aspect. I'm like, this, I get this. I get yeah. why you guys are, are hanging out together. I mean, Tool. Tool got lumped in with every Rage Against the Machine. Nobody knew what to do with them. Well, I remember seeing Tool on a Lala Blues, and I don't remember which one it was, but it, it might have been like the fifth one. And it was fucking Devo, then Tool. And I was like, I don't know why that That's makes complete fucking yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it does. But it does. It does. In no, the I same respect as we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, anyways, all that to say, I, I grew that's the stuff I grew up on. That's stuff that was on the radio. There's some, like, weird, not weird, there's some, like, Christian rock, like, of differing levels and kinds that I grew up on because, excuse me, because I, that's all I could get, get sometimes. Uh, I, I, to this day, and I think Nat, I forget what song it is, there's a song that Nat, like, was like, I'm pretty sure that's, like, Right in the same wheelhouse as a Jars of Clay song, and that oh, okay. and that makes sense because the first Jars of Clay record I love, I still love that. Is I, that the one? Rain, rain. Yep, yep. I and, had that album. Yeah, and, and I had I, no fucking idea that was a Christian rock band, as well as Switchfoot. Reason yes, to live. Yep, yep. I was like, this is a fucking. Am- I, I had they I, when the, that shit so when well. That, when that song became a single, I was like. I had that song. They had it on a different album, but I was like, I had that song on a different record, like four years before that. They just got yeah. and good, you know, good for them. I'm not gonna be angry at any musician getting right. paid. Uh, but like, I I always tell people, I'm like that Jersey, that first Jersey Clay record is literally what Christian kids commit suicide to. Like, it is such a dark record. It is mm. such a brooding, I don't melancholy that well, but... record. Uh, so there's that's. In there, and then the the Beatles, man. Yeah. I fucking love the Beatles. I, I, they were one of the they were one of the first rock and roll bands I was openly allowed to like. God, who because was because they by the time I got to them, you know, conservative Christianity, like all all conservative movements, has these weird cultural rules 
where what what's dangerous one day fast forward 10 to 15 years and it's not dangerous anymore but guess what it still is it still is yeah (laughs) like it doesn't change the art doesn't change the perception of the culture yeah we just kind of move the goal lines you know like sure john isn't screaming i'm gonna fuck you like an animal like trent reznor but like the Ooh. vibes are still there, man. Like, yeah. like, and for young teenage Nathaniel, like thirteen-year-old Nathaniel, uh, you know that stuff. Like, I, I, I knew I, yeah. uh, the Kinks. Like, fucking, like, there was all this stuff that I was allowed to listen to because it was quote unquote the oldies, and I was just like, because there was also stuff that would play on the oldies. I was like, ah, that's boring. I'm not into that. But then, like, fucking. You know, paint it black by the Stones would come on, or Sympathy mm-hmm. for the Devil, or anything yeah, for the Beatles, Beatles, like all all that King yeah. stuff. You know, like uh, House of the Rising Sun. I'd be like, oh, oh, this is different. Yeah. This is this is not this yeah, is not this, like this, this other matter. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're a music fan, you're like, like that's kind of sinister. Like, yeah, man. that's what pulls you in. Uh, I remember. I still vaguely remember being very, very young, and the first time I heard. Um, What's that? What's that Jefferson Starship or Jefferson oh, Airplane? The, White, the, the Rabbit. White Rabbit, and I was just like, oh, what "This song is about." Is this? Yeah, I'm like, I, well, I don't I, know what I it's didn't, about. I didn't even. Yeah, I, I was too young to know what it was about. I was just as instant like, she is thinking about some bad stuff. Something bad. It's yeah. not. It's not something <laughs> I should be hearing. This is this right. is something completely different. So, so, and then and then um, I can't. I I I am almost contractually. Uh, obligated to to talk about Fugazi at least briefly because um, Fugazi just ripped through my my soul. Actually, you know what? If I was to be real honest, real real quick, like before I knew about Fugazi, because I had to find them. I had to find them later in nineteen ninety nine. 2000, like 98, 99, 2000, I don't know off the top of my head. Two records came out almost back to back. And they changed everything, I think. Uh, and that is At the Drive-In's Relationship of Command. Fuck me, dude, yeah. And uh, um, Refused the Shape of Punk to Come. Okay, I don't know that one, but I do know at the drive and I fucking love that record. So, so one arm scissor is a video that I see, and I'm just like, what? You have these uh, Hispanic American young men with big hair <laughs> throwing big throwing hair. themselves around a stage and doing the stuff that I had never heard, like. Not, not really. Now, I, I, like I said, I would discover Fugazi later and, and put, start putting the pieces together. But, like, I wasn't as plugged into the emo scene or, like, the post-punk scene, mm. you know, Rites of Spring. And even at that time, that's, this, is, this is definitely in the same wheelhouse as, like, Promise Ring and Small Bound Break Bike and Texas is the Reason. But I, I had to come to those kind of later. Like, that, that one got big. That messed me up. Mm. And then... Go and look up Refuse, the, the Shape of Punk to Come. The first single off of that is called New Noise. And these are, this is a Swedish hardcore band, okay? They are anarcho-socialists. They are politically aggressive. They are angry 
white Europeans. They they come. The video starts with them just in a a, a room with a spotlight on them, and they're in these tight sweaters. And then they play this like, and it's just this. It builds and it builds and it just goes crazy and it nuts and it erupts and it ends with the singer swinging upside down, back and forth to the to the camera, screaming at the top of his lungs, "Dance you pigs, dance you pigs, dance you pigs, dance you pigs." And I'm I'm telling you, 19 year old Nathaniel was just like, I don't know what this is, but this is my new belief system. This is my new religion. These two bands are my new, like, I'm all in. I'm all in with mm-hmm. this. This is this is where I need to be. This is what I need to be doing. At, at, at 19, 20 is when you're hitting that next phase of whatever it is right. you are as a person. And the reason I became a metal fan a few years down the road is, is because of stuff like that. Stuff like, you know... Uh, yeah, it's a but gateway drug. It, sure. it is, and and uh, and to be go back to the Christian stuff, I was into all of this uh, quote unquote spirit filled hardcore that I was allowed, like all this aggressive music that I was allowed to listen to because they were screaming about Jesus instead of what what not so, Jesus. What year do you think about like when? I mean, aside from like oldies, but like when you were able to hear like secular contemporary I was that not, you were allowed or I was, whatever you want to say I was never allowed until I was so, so once again and I've, 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 I've said it a few times but I, I grew up in both a conservative Christian home but a, an abusive home there was a low grade sexual abuse and physical abuse physical abuse from both parents sexual abuse from my father um which is a very specific environment for obvious reasons. And it was a very controlled environment. I was never allowed openly to listen to any of that. The first time I bought secular music, I, I was supposed to be in Wednesday night church youth group. I didn't go. I had saved up all, I hadn't eaten lunch in two weeks. I'd saved up all of my lunch money. And I went to the Karma Music in Concord Mall, and I bought three cassettes, and they were the first non-Christian music that I owned. What informed the, the three? Uh, I will tell you. It was very simple. The only used cassette they had of Nirvana was Incesticide. I had never heard one song off of that. I had heard Smells Like Teen Spirit, okay. and I knew I fucking loved that song, and I was like, well, this is Nirvana. This is the only Nirvana thing they have in the used cassette. I'm going to get that. The second was Woodstock 99 double cassette. And that was all monetary pragmatism. There's a whole bunch of stuff on here and it is not expensive. So I can listen to a bunch of stuff. It's where, yeah. I, it's where I heard Live for the first time. It's where I heard Blues Traveler for the first time. It's where I heard The Cranberries for the first time. It's where yeah. I heard Porno for Pyros. I, it's like, like that yeah. thing... In the best way, Pop Primus was on the fucking damn blue collar tweakers. Oh man, that just yeah. this stuff that just really ripped through me. And then the third one, and I shit you not, I bought White Zombies Astro Creep 2000. 
Nice. Because it was the most evil fucking thing they had. It was just the most evil looking yeah. thing that was in the used cassette area. It's and too I was, bad they didn't have the and previous album. And it was like, it was like, oh yeah, I, I, there's this a demon. Calls there's to a me. demon on the back of it, and and that that lady has green hair and she's very pretty. Yeah. Uh, I I want this. This is what I want now. And and I put that in, and I thought, I thought. All of the world was gonna burn down around me. The first, because I was not. Re- uh, you you think about a fourteen year old conservative Christian, like yeah. I was not emotionally prepared for that record. That's hilarious, and not to get off like on a, on a theological thing, but the the backlash that that kind of upbringing creates. I didn't have that type of upbringing, but I went to church with my grandparents, and for my birthday, they would send me to church camp. And I learned some of the most devious bullshit at church camp. Like, I had people, I had a guy, an older kid, introduce me to Accept, old early 80s metal band, Wasp. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, that's where I was just like, one of one of my one of my uh, uh, now uh, Patrick and and Brett and like Nat like these are all uh, religious people and I that almost feels wrong only to me because I know what I mean by re- like I knew what I was growing up these are people that very much believe in in Christ and God and and I love them all dearly and they are completely different than the types of people I grew up with are completely different but all that to say the this is a cheat code for what i grew up in so a very evangelical midwest bible belt mm-hmm. mainstream church i always tell people i'm like if not any of us now we're too old but if you were in your 17 to 22 and you happen to find yourself in an area with a bunch of conservative church kids and you just are like man I would really like some alcohol or some medium to heavy drugs just just go hey are there any MKs or PKs MK is for missionary kid PK is for preacher's kid and when those kids raise their hands you go up to them and very quietly go so what do you have and almost every time they're going to be the ones that you can buy drugs from It's funny because I, I feel like, like I said, I didn't have that type of, I mean, this is about music, but um, I didn't have that type of upbringing and I don't feel like there was never like a really rip-roaring fucking backlash. Like, I, like the one thing like to compare to your, you know, your white zombie experience, um, I remember having you know, been to Bible camp a couple times as a kid, and I think I was maybe 10 years old, and somebody in the back of the bus played some Motley Crue, and it was Shout Out the Devil. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I go and I get that album, and I don't know if you're familiar with this album, but I, there's... I, I am, not not on not on purpose. Uh, Chris Newman, who used to own a tattoo shop called Point Blank. Oh, Newman, yeah, he's passed away. Yeah. Uh, I know he, Chris. Yeah, uh, he, I, I worked there, um... And he was a good friend, and I do not like hair metal. And Chris Newman fucking worshipped 
care about. <laughs> so so I've you, listened, you know I've, that I've listened, like, I've know, I've know through osmosis a lot of this stuff. So there was a like a spoken word introduction to that album. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, dude! I thought I was going straight to hell right, after listening right. to that shit. And what's what's really funny is is that music being what it is is um the real shit wasn't wasn't not even group. close the real shit was slayer yeah which slayer. was like the underground stuff at that time yeah. right or like death you know like the real oh, yeah. shit was like was so much scarier than the stuff that got yeah. popular like and the disappointing thing is is as you get older and these guys start giving interviews like say you know bruce dickinson from iron maiden or fucking tom Araya from slayer they're like it's all fucking shock value. Like, yeah, you didn't man. fucking do that. No. Like, there's some guys that you're like, okay, King Diamond, that motherfucker worships the devil. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And he'll tell you Le- that. Le- but Zeppelin, these other guys were like... Led Zeppelin was probably, you know, sacrificing some stuff to some stuff at some point. At some point, exactly. <laughs> like, right. like, some of those, like... Whereas, whereas to me, that's what's funny is that uh, on a surface level, probably... Especially now, most people wouldn't get that at all about Led Zeppelin. No. But those guys were into some, like, Paige was into some real dark oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, he, he like bought he, fucking Crowley's, Crowley's Yeah, yeah. Whereas the one that people would think now, Black Sabbath, was, was Slayer. They were It was all make-believe. It was, they were just like, yeah. what's the most evil shit we can say? We don't believe any of it. Well, the funny thing is, you listen to the, uh, I don't know if it was the last episode, but Nat had been on once before, and he was talking about discovering... Like Black Sabbath, I think it was recently, and he was like, you know, he's like, I all, all this like devil imagery, and then you listen to something like After Forever, and it's like, God is the only way to love. I'm like, these fuckers are singing Christian lyrics, but yeah, the imagery yeah, yeah. was, you know, yep, they, you know, it's all, um, and it can get problematic real quick. Uh, we sold our soul for rock and roll has those lightning moldesses. And, and let me tell you, as somebody who is super sensitive to Nazi shit in 2020, I'm like, hmm, that was the wrong choice. Like, that right. was, uh, you know, uh, Slayer has always been, way, like, go, all the metal that I love is, like, rampant with this people that are way too comfortable with Nazi imagery. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at all the old Sex Pistols stuff, and I, I just want to punch Sid Vicious every time I see that stupid yeah. fucking leather jacket with that goddamn swastika. On the um, on the shoulder, like every time, like you dumb British piece of shit. Yeah. Well, and I remember being a kid, like you know, getting into Kiss and getting like an import tape, and like the S's were like Z's, and I was like, what? And not knowing, like like you said earlier, like mm-hmm. they they don't teach the right shit in school. No. I was like, why would they do that? Well, this is a German it's, import. It, they it, that shit's you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you find that out later. Yep. Yeah. And um, uh, it's it's just um, I don't know. In the in the in trying to be rebellious or trying to be aggressive, um, it is very easy, especially when you're young, because you got to remember the Sex Pistols were all like fucking teenagers and like in mm-hmm. their early twenties and. You know, the guys in Black Sabbath were all in their twenties, and the yeah. the Slayer when they came up with their aesthetic. It, when you're white and male and young, the world, not just America, but the world, is kind of designed for you to like 
I don't know, puke your dumb into the world and not, not a lot of people tell you. <laughs> oh, that's that fucking perfect. And I, and I, I say that. Yeah, I, you, I agree. I, I, I referenced it once before, but like, um, add it again, which is one of the songs I gave you to either intro or outro of mm-hmm. this. Um, I, I, the, the second verse, I no longer sing that the way it's recorded live. The, the second verse um, starts out, and she doesn't give a damn who I am anymore. And I remember a time that I didn't care about that goddamn whore. It is a very honest lyric, and I'm ashamed of it to this moment. I am, I am not sorry... I am sorry that it's out there, but not for the reasons some might think. I don't want to erase it. It exists. It's recorded. Mm-hmm. Live, I say, goddamn girl now. What makes me sad is that younger Nathaniel didn't know where to put his hurt and didn't know how to communicate his pain. And that turned into being angry at mostly women mm-hmm. for not making me feel better. But here, here's the real, here's the real fuck of it all. Even if I, even if every female that I ever wanted to show me affection showed me affection, it wouldn't have meant a damn thing because I was hurt. I yeah. had, I hadn't verbalized that hurt. I hadn't unpacked that hurt. I hadn't, I mean, I was 34 before I said out loud that I was abused. Hmm. So when I hear some of those old loon songs, it's very hard because I know, I know that kid. I, 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 I wish that I could tell him to hate a little less or not even hate a little less hate the right things right what to what extent do you feel like um, this is a two-part question um, to what extent do you feel like as much as you may not like to hear that that it was therapeutic to get it out and second part you said obviously that you you know you've been through therapy is this something that and if I'm overstepping please oh, tell no. me I, it, 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 is this something that you've maybe discussed with your therapist like hey so these, do you can you hear this and see this for what it is. So my therapist, when I when I started therapy, she um, first of all, I I have tried to go to therapy a few times in my life, and um, it did not go well because it's hard it's hard to find somebody to talk to that fits. Um, Millie fit instantly. Uh, and I and she was open about this so I don't feel like it's not a story for me to tell but she grew up in Cambodia during Pot's rise 
She was eight years old. If you don't know what that is, everybody listening at home, please go fucking look it up. Um, then, then after you do some reading, get the Dead Kennedys first record and let Jello preach at you and yes. just soak in Reagan, Nixon. There are people we treat. Nixon is treated like the piece of shit he is. Reagan needs Reagan needs to be treated like yeah. more of a piece of a shit. Yeah. Um. Anyways, she was eight years old, and the death squad came into her village and lined everybody up and started shooting like every fourth person. Her best friend was right next to her and took a thirty-eight to the face, and she shared that very early on and and I knew why she wanted me to understand that I wasn't an experiment I wasn't something she was observing which I'm very sensitive to like if I think that you're just like intrigued by me you can <laughs> right. fuck right off right um, I, I'm, I'm too bright for that shit she wanted me to know we were on the same journey yeah, yeah. that she was just farther along and all this then to say, um, she just very nonchalant because I was just talking about myself and stuff and things. And she's like, hey, you're a musician. She's like, do you have, you have music? I was like, I do. And she's like, is it someplace that I could hear? And I'm like, it is. And so I gave her, at the time, I think it was just band camp. It was before, it was, it was before I realized I could get how easy it was to get on to like iTunes and Spotify and stuff. Or even if you could, this might have been back before you could get onto those. So I, I gave her the band camp and um, I came back to the next session and um, the you go through the normal nice, how's your, how's your, day, how's your week been, how's your, all this stuff. And then she goes, so I listened to your record. And I was like, yeah. She's like, it's very good music. I was like, thank you. I, I don't often believe that, but I appreciate being told it. She's like, um, do you, do you know how unhealthy it is to talk about yourself like that? And I was like, I don't know if I'm... She's like, you refer to yourself as ugly quite a bit. And you, the language you use about yourself is, is pretty abusive. Um, like, very... You're degrading yourself right now. She's kind of like, like... like Just... And it was nothing. It was nothing that I, I had ever thought about. There's a song, um, Robot, uh, what, what do I call that? It's the third track, second track. And it's, um, um, uh, Time Moves On. Uh, and, uh, I'm just a robot with a bottle. Um, but I, I refer to myself as, um, homely in it. Uh, you know, and, and that, and I, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that I, I refer to myself as ugly or unattractive a few times. And um, to, to answer the first question after kind of answering the second question, uh, no, no none, none of Loon's songs feel therapeutic in that, in that sense that I think that you were asking. Mm -hmm. Because here's the real hard thing about when you when you've been through that kind of trauma is it never almost nothing's thera therapeutic like that you you 
you learn to live with it. That's what Millie taught me. Is you you learn to live with it. It never goes away. I can't I can't go back and erase my childhood. But going back to something you said earlier, you know, you said you know, rock and roll had saved your life yeah. many times over. Yeah. If you didn't have, not that it's it plays into the therapeutic part, but if you didn't have that outlet, no, yes, then then in that sense, I get yeah, it's it's not therapeutic. Like I don't feel better after I write these songs, and I don't feel better okay. when I perform the songs. In that sense of like. I think, I guess what in my head when I hear therapeutic, I think of like almost that sigh of like, oh, and that's so, right. it feels so much better like now that I've said that. Shoulder. Obviously, and, the and weight's that, not going to come off. No, and, but what I, what, what does feel good is, is it, is if somebody at that show or somebody that stumbles onto Loon or purposely listens to Loon knows that they're not alone. Like I know statistically that there are other people that are going through versions of what I've been through. And I also know that there is not always a lot of, um, this is kind of even going back to the beginning. I don't want being a drunk to ever look sexy. And I think that's an important message to get across. I, I hope desperately that if you listen to a Loon record from front to, to back, you don't walk away from it going, man, you know what? Drinking a whole bunch sounds like a really cool move. But in, <laughs> in, that, in that same aspect, you have like, like one of my references earlier being Bukowski. You're like, fuck, man, that guy's cool. You know, but, but in the same aspect where you fucking read Burroughs and you're like, Oh, that kind of makes heroin seem attractive. You know, yeah, I do. I do know what you're saying. I, um, I maybe, I, I then maybe I just need to try harder. To no, I'm I'm not. I'm uh, not critiquing in that uh, sense whatsoever. It it just in the in the sense that I like I like I said the the best way I can put is sexy. I don't I don't want to make. I don't want a young man to listen to at it again. And I can't control that. And, and I'm sure just knowing how it is. I don't want them to think, yeah, man. Yeah, you, you call her a whore. Like, no, that's, no. Not, the, that's not the message of it. it right. The whole, the whole thing, you know, Add It Again is, is, a, is one of the best songs I think I've ever written. And I think it's an important one. And, and it's, it's why it's one of the ones I, I sent you. Um, you know it. It is a. You know, uh, and and round by round, you drink till you drown. Is the words the singer screams, and I drink a toast to the ghosts of all, the things I have seen, because we are all trying so hard to be all the things that we're not, like pretty and smart, and clever and hard when we're all just weak and lost. And I'm at it again, trying to drink myself back to sin. And I'm at it again, trying to let the demons in. It it is desperately a person broken, ugly drinking to try and fill a hole that's never going to be filled. 
and it, it's it's definitely trying to communicate that it's why I want to write the next record because I think it's yeah. I think it's it's the sentence isn't finished yet it's a it's a it's a whole big thing and, and like I just I just sent a, a demo out to to Brett and Patrick and I was like hey man I wrote a song <laughs> we already have enough songs for a new record so I was like I don't know maybe this <laughs> will be, no maybe this will be a double record. I don't I have no idea at this point what it's gonna do but um. So my, my mom died last year and um, 2019 was, was very hard for me. My, one of my dogs, um, Peggy, passed away in February and then my mom died in April and then my cat Neko died in my arms two months after that. and. It was um, a punishing year. So when I tell people that 2020 is the hardest year I've ever been yeah, through, I'm like, followed I'm, up by I'm, this pile of shit. I'm like, I'm like, and it's got competition. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, it's got real things. And my mom and I had a really complicated relationship. I love my mom, but even at 40, I, I was still unpacking you know, my dad started abusing me and I went to my mom and my mom told me to shut up because she didn't believe me or, or didn't understand or whatever. And um, she lived with my dad too. My dad was abusive to her and she eventually lashed out. I was the oldest kid. I had the biggest mouth. I'm, I'm a stubborn, lippy asshole especially if you back me into a corner and and she would hit me and he would hit me and and so there was all of this physical abuse and um, I'm just now trying to unpack what that must have been like for her so I've been writing these songs that are very directly talking about my childhood abuse for the new record and then I I write this song this week, or last week, into last week, and it's about my mom and trying to see that time through her eyes and knowing that my father probably raped her. Like, marital rape is not something I, I, I very black, because people, people who've been through a lot of abuse have real black humor, just like, like combat soldiers. If you've ever talked to, yeah. a, to a soldier that's actually been through the shit, they have a rough sense of humor. I've gotten along with every combat vet I've ever known because I also have an equally fucked, dark sense of humor. Yeah. And I jokingly told somebody, I'm like, well, you know, Loon has a big list of shit that I haven't sung about yet. And I was like, marital rape, I haven't hit that yet. Might as well cross that <laughs> off the list. Yeah. Check that box. <laughs> Just, yeah. And, um, you know, like... Uh, this this next record is just going to be a lot of these very hard end of the not even the end but, but, but like uh like i said the first one is is somebody blindly punching not mm -hmm. knowing what they're angry about the next one is that person still doesn't know what they're angry about but they're they want it to end like 
you know, uh, the, but it is starts out like the uh, um, the first lyrics of of the ship is sinking is I'm I'm tired of everything I'm tired of all I sing being drinking and drugs and love gone wrong it hurts to breathe to think I'm sinking into this bar one more time everybody here is going to find the line yeah. it it that's it, one it, of my favorites actually it's it's just coming right out of the gate saying, I can't hurt like this forever. If this is it, I don't I don't want to keep going. Yeah. I want it to stop. Um and and so then this next one is the so you haven't died. You haven't killed yourself. So now it's time to look at it. Time to stare back at the abyss. The abyss is staring at you. It's been staring at you this whole time. Mm-hmm. It's time to take a deep breath and look back. Yeah. And and see what that does, what that un- unpacks. And it's it's weird. It feels um it feels weirdly selfish in a time where like I wish that I I wish that I could pick up my guitar and I've tried to write political protest stuff like I I have all of these very loud aggressive feelings about police and the government and capitalism and ice and and I all I can tell people is like there are people that are doing that. Every time I pick it up, it sounds like I'm trying to force something, and that never makes yeah. a good song. So I, I'll stick to my lane. I, you know, I'll, yeah. I will turn. I will tell people to like buy Frank Turner records. You know, he's he's you know uh, buy uh, every Rage Against the Machine record. Mm-hmm. Like sadly, there were there were, like I, uh, I used to make. I used to make fun of Anti-Flag a lot. I'm a punk kid. I grew up in the punk scene. And man, there is a time where you, you get very like, <sighs> another fucking political preachy punk band. Yeah. And Anti-Flag has been the king of the mountain for a long time of the preachiest of the preachy. And man, were those motherfuckers right? They were right. Go back yeah. and go back and, and listen to those Anti-Flag records and just know that those Pennsylvania punks were super right and we yeah. should have all been paying way more attention to them well it's like they say you know if you're a writer you you write what you know so yeah you know if you like you're saying if you try to force something like that it's, doesn't matter how like you're good at what you do as is whoever else and it's like if you try to like you said so so what I do so what I do to balance that out is um, uh, obviously not this year because we haven't played any shows but but when live in, in between show in between songs um, I I usually say stuff I usually say stuff about being a white male in the society mm-hmm. about how we're taught to view women how we're taught to view femininity how we're taught to view masculinity. Um, how how much of that's fucked and you know that you know I, I Charlottesville 
unite the right. If if you if you listen to this and you don't know about that, you should immediately look that up. Basically, back in 2017, right after Trump has been in office about a year, um, the Klan, what's left of them in the country, uh, every neo-Nazi skinhead group, um, the Proud Boys, uh, like every right-wing militant racist white supremacist group gathered at Charlottesville, Virginia to protest the uh, people there trying to take down the Robert E. Lee monument that's on campus. And uh, they uh, were met by anti-fascists and there were two days of running street battles that the police who didn't seem to give a good goddamn about as is their way and uh, it ended with Heather Heyer being killed because a neo-Nazi drove his car into a crowd of protesters and I watched that hours after it happened because I'd been I'd been watching the rally I'd, I'd been kind of like it, it, I, I, I'd heard about it and was very like oh fuck that's a lot of I wasn't nearly as aggressively tracking Nazis at the time but like I I when you're an angry young conservative Republican Christian kid uh, in Indiana, the Klan's around in the 90s to, to feed that anger. And so I, oh, yeah. I flirted with uh, 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 baby baby clanhood for a little bit in high school for about a year. And so I'm I'm uh, that's one of the many pain-driven shames that I carry around with me. So I've always been kind of keeping an eye on it because I, I feel like I should. And uh, that changed everything. I was like, oh, fuck. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, fuck. Like, they just killed... They, he drove a car into them. And um, since then, I, I have been very politically... I don't know. It radicalized me. It just did. Like, I instantly was like, oh, I need to know everything about what's going on with the neo-Nazi movement in America today. And unfortunately, it's a lot. And, and yeah. it's been building for a long time. And 2020 is the chickens coming home to roost. And and uh, all that to say that for a few years now at Loon Shows, I've been going out of my way to talk about neo-Nazis and talking about right-wing white supremacists and, and talking about feminism and talking about, you know, trying to use my little platform and my little voice to, like, really... I mean, I mean, I quit. We quit for like I, I haven't talked about this with really much of anyone, but Loon quit for about a year because I wasn't sure I even wanted to keep doing it. Like I wasn't sure if if, if the world needed more white dudes singing songs. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that. And I I to this day don't think it was a. I, I I've had many people be like, oh, and I'm like, no, no, no. I think that was. I still think it was a healthy thing to do. I still don't know if I made the right decision coming back. I know that I can't not make music. That's about the only thing I do now is that it it just means too, like I tried and I I missed it. But like my world got rocked enough in a good way where as 
quote unquote left liberal like switched on I was like I I, I was like oh fuck I have I am I have not I'm not journeying nearly as far as I need to uh, I have not thought nearly as much and and I I don't know I, I still think that uh, you know like I said I, I, I don't sing about politics I, I view Loon is a political band in the sense that the three guys that are in it are very political people. Mm-hmm. I am probably the most aggressively, like, I don't think, as far as I know, Brett or Patrick wouldn't call themselves an anarchist where I, I would. And, and it's a very misunderstood political term. Right. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm that far left. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm left enough where the, when the guys at work talk about, like, Biden or Harris and think that they're commies i'm like <laughs> oh but man let me tell you where from where i'm standing they're right wing <laughs> yeah yeah that's the fucking problem really. so yeah. anyway anyways that's it, it's um it, it's all to me it's all connected though it's all it's yeah. all interwoven in and of itself you can't um you can't separate no. any of that stuff from the things that I've written, the things that I've, I'm writing, how I conduct myself, how, how we conduct ourselves, how Loon conducts ourselves. Like, you know, the, the one thing I do know, Brett and Patrick are, are, are very much we're all on this and we're about our community. We're about like the family of art artists and the, yeah. the, the greater idea of like, we're here to take care of our, our neighborhood. We're here like the, the well, when when people can come back to it, I love I love the well. I love playing the well. I love going to shows at the well. Yeah, they got a good venue. Yeah. The the bars are not fun for rock and roll most of the time. Yeah. Because because you're you're automatically setting a tone, a vibe, uh, an idea, and Fugazi to go back to them. Like they would never not play an all ages show. Like that was one of their rules. There were like these rules of Fugazi shows. You know, they never charged more than ten dollars ever. They never didn't play an all ages venue. Like they, they, if it's not for everyone, it shouldn't be for anyone. Was kind of the yeah, idea. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And and that is not me trying to like shit on people who I have played bars. I may play bars again. I, you know, that's that's not. I'm not trying to be preachy in that sense. What I am saying is that it is, it is important. It, when you when you believe in music and art and rock and roll like I want that 12 year old or 13 year old or 14 year old or 15 year old to be able to come to a show and I want them to be able to feel that energy and I want them to be changed in the same way I was changed yeah and and it doesn't have to be by loon but if if loon gets to be a part of that cool man but yeah that the the other the other thing that I say is rock and roll has always saved has, rock and roll saved my life she saved my life and so I owe her a debt that I will never be able to repay and so I spend the rest of my life trying to repay this debt that I won't ever be able to repay and that that is my my idea you know I I I lean very hard into the the kind of like quasi preacher at the pulpit vibe when I'm in between songs at loon yeah. shows, you know, but the gospel that I'm preaching is four, four, you know, like that's what I say all the time. You know? Yeah. I wrote that down on your Spotify. Cause I like that so much. You say, 
asked a hard question and we preached rock and roll four chords and four four time I was like that's fucking that along with the cold beers and the coldest beers are all we've ever had we've ever had yeah it's like that's for somebody who has not even a paragraph in their bio that's pretty fucking strong stuff uh i i, I just have recently started going around to all of our our things and putting that the, a blurb in and and, and that's you know, I, 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 that was my, that was, you know, Chad, who does the spoken word stuff on the end of both records, um, uh, flirted with it first. Like, I think he said the, the gospel of 4-4 four, four time and on, mm-hmm. on the first spoken word for don't give up the shit. And, and I was in a different life in a different world. I was headed to Bible school and I was going to be a, a preacher and a theologian. Like that was that was what I thought my path was gonna be. That's very much in my. It's, I have such a. It's so many. My childhood is just in teen years are just these like this like like fucking layer cake of things that all came together. And one of one of those layers is I was going to be a theologian. I was going to be a, a person that studied the word and preached the word. And so that is the the evangelical uh, mainstream world is very good at, at picking you out early and grooming you to be like you are yeah. very much in the machine early and so like I was leading chapels I was doing things like I was learning to be a preacher in my late teens mm. and so like that's just very much in there and so now I've just perverted it and I now yeah. use it for I use it for my own I'm like, oh, I'm just going to lean into this thing that I yeah, can do. That's fucking great. You have answered all my questions without even me even asking them. <laughs> this, has been, this has been great, dude. And I feel kind of like a fucking heel at, at a certain point because I'm like, oh, the fucking, you know, the whole, the whole drinking vibe. And I completely got it wrong. And I guess that would be like a closing question is like, what do you say to people that, you know, that's what they get from it and they don't like dig any deeper and, you know? Um, I, I, I haven't had anybody directly really point blank ask me in a way that made me feel they didn't get it. The one, the, the actual thing that happens quite a bit that I get, gets uncomfortable because I, I feel like I'm weirdly, because because most people's only references to alcoholism is AA, is that idea of like either you're drinking or you're not drinking. Like if you're an alcoholic or if you've ever ha- been an alcoholic, you know, they, they preach a very specific thing, which is right. alcoholism is a disease and either and you have it. And so you can either drink and you're going to become an alcoholic again or you don't drink ever again. And that's how you keep from feeding your alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I am not here to shit on how anybody gets healthy and clean, mm-hmm. but that was not my path. I don't view or think that what I had was that way. I think I was a broken person who had a big pain black hole that they didn't understand, and I was shoving things into that hole to try and make the hole go away. Gotcha. And so I obviously I just had a beer and I still drink. Now I don't 
do you hard liquor? I mean, I have my own kind of like little checklist to keep myself. Right, that's good. You I know, mean, there's, there's on, very on, few people that can uh, like pull you, that off. I yeah. like to I like to keep myself within a box of sorts. But all that to say, the one question I get asked is, "So how long have you not been drinking?" And then it gets real weird because I'm like, "Oh, I I I still drink. I still yeah. drink." And then they look at me like. And I'm like this thing called self control. I don't even know if I I don't even think of it that way. It's no, it's, no I don't. I, I think I because I don't. I think that that makes it sound too much like I made a decision, and that that decision set me free. Mm-hmm. What it, once again, what it was is that I realized why I was drinking. I realized what was fueling that. So it's an evolution. It is. It's very. It's yeah. It's it is less um, the power it's of black the, and the, white. Yeah, the, the power of the human spirit, and it's more of like I just I just talk to somebody and they help me figure myself out. Yeah, and, and then like I that's didn't, great. Dude. I didn't have to like actively try and kill myself with booze because I couldn't put a gun in my mouth. I mean, that's the real, the real, real real shit at the core of, of those two records specifically is I it's right there in in no wait uh, the third verse I already I already said the second verse the third verse is uh, uh, I want everything to end and if I keep drinking I think it just might and there's worse ways to go. Just ask Hemingway. Hemingway put a shotgun in his mouth. Right. He blew the back of his head out. So I'm going to go out like Poe. There's a lot of debate these days, but the, the thing I, I was taught was that Poe drank himself to death. Yeah. Not like him. I'm saying I can't, I don't have the willpower to put a gun in my mouth. So I'm going to take this whiskey bottle. I'm going to keep drinking and eventually the alcohol will do what my trigger finger can't. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, like what I picked up on and what you just said is like verbatim some Bukowski shit. Like seriously, like he always (laughs) kind of said almost the same and I'm not making similarities to say like, Oh, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I've been at a loss for words because it was like the fact that it, it, it kind of picked that out and that you put it into. So the maybe this is as good as any story to end on. The first time we played that song live was at the Rutabaga album release show for I think it was uh, was it Brother Let in the. The summer or the the sun, the yeah, I've got that on vinyl. Yeah. Um, it and I can um, see the cover. Yeah, and it was for that. We, we, I, I, I felt very much like a. Uh, you want to talk about having imposter syndrome? That whole show was just like, wow, man, they were like really important bands. Like they, like another band came in from like Chicago because they were friends with them, and I was mm. just like, what are we doing on this? This is crazy. But I had, I had this thing that, I, because like I said, I, I've got that like mischievous, I want to poke, I want to make people uncomfortable. They're the artist and like I want a, I want yeah. a reaction. 
And so I, I knew in, in our, our quiver, like I knew, I was like, we're going to play this song. Nobody's heard this song. And it, and, it, and for if you haven't heard it, it is two chords. The verse is two chords. It is G, just hammered, and then E. Doom, 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 doom. And then I say a thing. Yeah. And then it's G, hammered, and D, or E, and I say a thing. And the stuff I'm saying is brutal. And then the chorus is, no way, I'm just kidding. It's 3 a.m., and I don't know what I'm saying. I've been drinking since noon, and this bar looks like a tomb, and I'm burying myself one shot at a time. And so we come out, and we just go into this thing, man. And you watch the whole crowd go. Like, it was like, it was like a, it was like they both held their breath, and like the air left all at the same time. And like, I... Shit, you not? I had to stop myself from giggling, like in the <laughs> middle of like singing it, because I was just like, <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, that's fucking awesome. Uh, it, it it was a uh, it it was a uh, it was a it was it was petulant. It was a very petulant, like selfish yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. you know, like fuck it, man. But that's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Well, like I said, dude, this has been. Uh, I mean, I came at it from one direction, and it's uh, went the other way and it was very educational I, I appreciate the shedding the light I, I, I appreciate I, you know getting to talk about the, the stuff that means so much to me the stuff that I've made awesome. I, 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 uh, it means a lot to be able to talk about it right. so thank you Yeah. alright brother we'll, we'll, uh, we'll end it on that um, I don't know what we're going to intro and outro with but we talked about both songs so It'll be what it be. Here I am with what's left of this shell of a man Down at the bar trying to drown my heart in these scars but Jack, Jim, Beam, and Jameson trying to make it all go away. Whiskey seems to be the only thing that helps with this pain.
drowned are the words the singer screams. And I drink a toast to the ghost of all the things I have seen. Cause we are all trying so hard to be all the things that we're not. Like pretty and smart and clever and hard. When we're Myself back to sin, and I am at it again, trying to let the demon.